Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where every other week or so we drink a drink and then drink a drink's direct competitor. Buonasera, signore e signori. Benvenuti in un altro episodio del nostro podcast. Oggi parliamo di Aperol. We're talking about Aperol. We are indeed. Yeah. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. I mean, it was, an, I mean, it, <sighs> Aperol being a aperitif, being a kind of like a direct competitor to, competitor to what, to uh, the Campari bitter that we've talked about before. Yeah, well, because if there's one thing that anyone who's listened to our previous episodes knows, it's that the Italians love an aperitif mm. and, and a digestive. Honestly, but, and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. But really, any any reason to have a slightly alcoholic drink will will do. Yeah. But but yes, aperitifs. There are many. They are usually bitter. Yes, and aperol is no exception. Even, but but less bitter. It is slightly sweet and less bitter. Yeah, because uh, yeah, like I said before, it's it was invented to be a direct. Kind of like a alternative to, not a direct competitor, an alternative to Campari, which is pretty bitter. Yeah, they were trying to make an aperitif that was less alcoholic, which it is at 11%. Something that you could have without absolutely smashing you with the blood alcohol content. And blood alcohol content? How many, how many blood alcohols have you had already? Too many blood alcohols. No, without absolutely smashing you with the alcohol content, which, yeah, it, it's 11% everywhere except Germany, where it is 15% to avoid container deposit legislation regulations. Which is interesting. Otherwise, 15, otherwise 11%. But importantly, that is way lower, less than half the alcohol content of Campari. Mm. Nice and easy to drink, supposedly. Well, yes. it's uh, yeah. They um, apparently it wasn't good enough on its own, so some smartass created a cocktail. Oh, but there's a lot of history. Let's let's not skimp on the history. All right, T- tell tell us all about Aperol. Yeah, it was created in the northern Italian town of Padua in 1919 by Luigi and Silvio Barbieri who debuted it at the International Fair in Padua of that year. And as as you mentioned, they had been attempting to create an aperitif, and so they named it Aperol after the French word apero, which means aperitif. Oh, that, that's real original. Yeah. Like how they named their one of their most bitter cocktails Amaro, after Amaro meaning bitter. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm still salty about that one. Because we should have known. We should have, because <laughs> it was so bitter. But yeah. that, that's a heck of an aside. But Aperol was produced by the Barbieri Company, 
Oh, really? Yes, for a really, really long time, right up until it was bought by Campari in huh. 2003. Yeah, right. And here I was thinking it was invented by Campari yeah, as, so as a competitor to, to itself. itself. Yeah, but I mean, my point is it was invented in 1919 and until 2003, it was made by the dudes who invented it. Well, by the company that they began mm. after they invented it. So Aparo gained popularity through the 1920s and 1930s, but mostly in Italy, admittedly, with marketing throughout Italy painting it as a drink to help the fitness conscious stay, and I'm quoting here, lean and fit. That's hilarious. So it it was a drink for literally marketed towards women and health conscious people. Wow. In their 20s and 30s. But in the 1950s, when they decided to try and push it in America to get to a different market outside of Europe, well, by that point, a certain cocktail called the Aperol Spritz had already come into existence. Mm. And they used that very heavily in their marketing. Mm. On uh, both posters and slogans. Like the slogans and the posters, it was everywhere. Everywhere there was marketing, there was mention of the Aperol Spritz. But what's fascinating is that the idea of a spritz was around long before Aperol came along. Oh yes, and we'll get there. Let me let me continue. Oh, because there's we're on a we're on a path here. We're, oh, we're going okay. somewhere. Okay. Yes. Okay. So so that strategy of pushing the Aperol spritz that that strategy of pushing the Aperol spritz was used again to push Aperol to a global market after Campari acquired it in two thousand three. Oh. And. By 2011, they had been so successful in pushing the Aperol Spritz that they released a pre-bottled Aperol Spritz sold in three packs containing three 175ml pre-mixed Aperol Spritz bottles. And so, to make an Aperol Spritz, and this is the very quick and dirty version, we'll get into the more detail of it later, it is three parts Prosecco, two parts Aperol, and a splash of soda water in a glass filled with ice, and generally garnished with an orange slice. But the Spritz cocktail actually existed for about a hundred years before the introduction of Aperol into existence. Indeed. Because around 1805, in the aftermath of the Napoleonic Wars, Austria-Hungary took ownership of the... Well, the north of Italy, basically. And then over the next 50 years, kept flogging their wine and would mix a splash, or in German, spritz, of of water into it, which over time became soda water. Mm. And the wine became fortified wine, usually fortified with a liqueur. This is going to be one of those episodes where you take all the juicy uh, nuggets of oh. trivia, isn't it? <laughs> it's looking that way, yes. Yeah. But it's good. Um, so, Aperol finally uh, jumped on board in the early 1900s when the, brothers <clears throat> when the brothers Luigi and Silvio Barbieri inherited their father's liquor company in 1912. Uh, after about seven-ish years of experimentation... They debuted the the bold Technicolor tipple 
aperol, inspired by the French term aperitif, like you, French term for aperitif, mm. apero. Yeah. Uh, like you said before. It's, um, we are, we are still drinking the same recipe that they used back in 1919. Yeah. And it is an interesting one. And I'll, I'll let you go into that as well. I won't steal that from you. <laughs> Uh, no, you can, you can tell you can tell them the exact recipe because oh, I don't have it in front of me. For, for Aperol, I didn't write it down. I figured you'd be covering oh. it. Well, I've I've got the um, I've got the re- the full on proper IBA recipe for the Aperol spritz. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, the the original recipe remains a secret, but it does include both bitter and sweet oranges as well as rhubarb. Because of course it has rhubarb in it. Yeah, that's so Italian. Yeah, it's it's definitely a thing that a person thinks I'm going to put that in a drink. I mean, I've we've tasted drinks that are Stranger Things, like uh, Sheep's Way Gin. Like well, that's who, true. Who who would even think of making a drink from Sheep's Way, except for that one guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, how many people even thought about making a drink a Sheep's Way? How does a how does a sheep make a drink? <laughs> Uh, the uh, the cocktail progressively made its way across the Atlantic, and when Aperol was acquired by uh, Grupo Cam- the Campari Group in the early two thousands, the they put on some serious advertising force behind the spritz, making it the go to drink at social media friendly events like the Governor's Ball and Bottle Rock, and it became hugely popular. And in fact, in twenty twelve. Aperol decided to make an attempt at a Guinness World Record for the world's largest Aperol Spritz cocktail, which was shared <laughs> among 2,600 people. Wow. That's one hell of a cocktail. Yeah. It's my, my kind of drink. It's still only 11%, but yes. It, still, if you so drank 2,600 people. Mm, a cocktail big enough for 2,600 people, yeah. So, so it would have had to have been made in one glass to set the record. One giant thing to set the record. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess they divvied it up among 2,600 people. So if one cocktail is... Th- uh, oh, we haven't mentioned what's in a spritz yet. The exact measurements, have No, we? we haven't. Not I yet. Better not give it away. Uh, okay. Um, we should actually make it. And then take the photo. Yes, but before we do, mm-hmm. let's talk about what's in it. All right. Because spritz. the Aperol Spritz, or as it's known by the International Bartenders Association, Spritz Veneziano, is made using nine centiliters of Prosecco, six centiliters of Aperol, and a splash of soda water. It does specifically call for a splash, mm. which is a very precise bar measurement. A splash. <laughs> It, and it affects the flavor totally. Yes, I'm, I'm sure it does. Yeah. If, no, if, it would because, say, a splash is 20 mil-ish, mm. or my splash is 20 mil and your splash is 30 mil, that's going to make a difference. Yeah, and that, I guess, is where a bartender gets to put their flair on the drink. Mm. Well, that and the garnish to some extent. Yeah. And how much ice they choose to put in and things like that. All right, we get the But picture. it should go <laughs> into a wine glass, always served in a wine glass, Full of ice. 
Check. Wait. Need ice in it. Uh. And then it must be stirred gently. Well, yeah, because you'll stir all the bubbles out of the Prosecco. Exactly. Tripping over everything. All right. Oh. But, so, before we uh, make the cocktail, I suppose we should actually taste what Aperol is like on its own. Yes, that is how it was originally served and originally intended in 1919. Mm. Over a right. hundred years ago. So, so we said bitter and sweet oranges and rhubarb. Yeah, it's supposed to be slightly sweet and slightly bitter. Cool, because Campari was sweet and bitter. Yeah. Though it's supposed to have the same amount of sugar in it. Yeah, that surprises me. That it, it does apparently have the same sugar content. How could it be less sweet, but have the same sugar content? More salt? Perhaps. Dunno. I'm sure we'll find out something when we taste it. Yeah. So, what does it smell like, though? Well, it smells sweet and bitter. And smells a little bit like Campari, but not a, not exactly like Campari. Like, yeah. Like Campari, but light. Yes, it's, it's a little orange-ish and a little bitter-ish. It smells like um, orange lollies. Like those orange chewy lollies that you can buy. Well, like yeah. like the real cheap home brand ones. Well, a little. A little, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's the smell I'm getting. Plus <clears throat> the the rhubarb smell, which I recognize from um, apple and rhubarb pie. Yes. Yes, that, that I pick up. Because, yeah, rhubarb is certainly not something I've sought to consume by itself with great regularity. I don't think I've ever done it by itself, ever eaten it by itself. Yeah, and in fact, I believe the the apple and rhubarb pies that I've consumed were by accident, thinking that they were just apple. <laughs> you don't like rhubarb? I don't dislike it, it just ruins the apple. <laughs> because when you're expecting to taste just apple in, in a pie, and it's apple and rhubarb, it's not that there's anything wrong with the rhubarb, it's that it's not just apple. Shut up and cheers. Cheers. <laughs> that tastes... A bit different to how it smells. Uh, it tastes very similar to me. It's sweeter than I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, the initially when it hits your tongue, there's just sweetness. It's like the bitterness creeps up on you. Yeah. But it's not like Campari where the bitterness creeps up on you with a large bat. <laughs> it, I was going to say that it that the bitterness is... What's left over after all the sweetness is gone? Yes, there's, there's, there's a bad joke in that, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> anyway, th- this is this is how the, the drink is. It's sweet, it's uh, bitter after you've finished drinking it. The bitterness sticks on your tongue um, like it still is from the first sip I had. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's mild. Mm, it's, I think it's, it's fairly mild. It's a bittersweet symphony, this drink. Ah, uh, you went there. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 fine on its own, I suppose. Um, but I can definitely see how putting a couple of shots of this with some Prosecco would make it sing. Mm, and I can 
it, it definitely makes sense when you look at what the spritz originally was that someone who had tasted this decided to see what would happen if they mixed it into that mm. and makes I mean, sense to me it obviously worked so well that they changed the name of the whole bloody drink because it's no longer a spritz it's an aperol spritz well it was the, the spritz was the original thing it was uh wine and water or wine, then soda water. Mm, and then wine with some form of liqueur and soda water. Yeah. And then that some sort of liqueur became Aperol, and then it was no longer a spritz, it was an Aperol spritz. I think that's because it's specifically an Aperol spritz. You could have a, I don't know, an absinthe spritz, a, a peach schnapps spritz. Well, you can. You can do a spritz with anything. I mean, this, yeah. that cocktail recipe can literally be made using... Any liqueur you want. Yeah, not absinthe. Don't don't use absinthe. You're in for a bad time if you do that. <laughs> you could. Oh, that's a lot of absinthe. Three, three shots of absinthe. Yeah. Yeah. You you're like eh. Well, and 60 then you mil, thought about two it. shots. Two shots of absinthe. Two shots. Oh yeah, it's three shots of prosecco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's basically six shots. Well, with the strength of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that might actually be quite pleasant if you like anisette. Aniseed. Well, anisettes. Yeah. If you like anisettes. Maybe Galliano or, uh, sorry, not Galliano, Sambuca. Yeah. Well, yeah, you wouldn't want, don't think you'd want to do it with Galliano. It's the same thing. Mm. But which one? Yeah. I, I think black. Black would look good. Yeah. Yes, A- anyway. But yes. Anyway, so let's. Uh, we digress. Let's slowly finish these off and then we can make a taste comparison. Yeah. Let's make a cocktail. So we have the cocktails. We have the Aperol spritzes. Yes, made to the International Bartenders Association standard. Indeed. Your glass is more bubbles than mine. Well, yours was in the picture. It sat for a while. Yeah, but oh, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm keen to taste it because they're pretty popular. Yeah, and they look very appetizing. Mm. I mean, that color and... You can see what we're looking at if you look at the picture. There, there is one in the picture. Yeah. There's also a teeny tiny shot of Aperol in there too. Just straight yes. up Aperol. And yeah, what what would you describe that color as? It's orange. It's like a, a candy orange. Yeah. I think it's not like an orange orange. It's no. it's, it's a candy orange. Like, you'd, mm. like the color you'd expect to see on candy corn. Kind of. Well, it's not yellow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say so, yes. Yeah. Or orange and, jelly. Oh, yes, there we go. That's yeah. the one. That's spot on. But it almost looks like it, too, if it went fizzy. Yeah. yeah. It's fresh jelly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it, <laughs> the smell is very different, but of course it is. It's got Prosecco in it. Yeah, you can, you can definitely smell the Prosecco. You can smell the Aperol. It's like or- orangey wine for the moment. Yeah. It smells pretty nice. It does. Mm. Let's taste. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that. Oh, yeah, that's going to go down way too easily. Yeah, I can see why that's popular. (laughs) 
because the the bitterness is almost completely gone. I say almost because there's just mm. the slightest hint of it. It's a little bitter, the tiniest bitter. Yeah, like like me after a long work day, <laughs> just a little bitter. Just a little. Yeah, yeah but it it's good. It's it's refreshing. It's um, it's light. The flavors are not mm. strong. Um, it doesn't taste too much like wine. Doesn't taste too much like the uh, uh, aperol. The aperol, yeah. It's sweet, but not too sweet. Yeah, I mean prosecco is not a particularly sweet, sparkling white at the best of times. No, but the aperol adds sweetness to it. Yeah, and it's because the, the prosecco is sort of light and a little bit fruity. For, for anyone who's had Prosecco before. No, you can't. A little bit. No, that that was fine. Oh, okay, I, I thought you it. were trying to correct me here. But, but no, yeah, because Prosecco is light and a little bit fruity and a little bit dry, but that splash, you know, the, the bubbles kind of always did change the, the dryness, as they do with any sparkling white. Yeah. And... That hint of bitterness that's left over kind of makes me want to drink another, take another sip. Yeah, because as soon as you do and it washes over your tongue, the bitterness is washed away. Yeah. But then slightly creeps back in again and you get, well, better have another sip. Yeah. Oh dear, time to have some more of my Aperol spritz. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but But it works. It's sneaky like that. Like, even even though I'm aware of it now, I, I'm thinking, oh, tongue's a little bitter and dry. Better have another sip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you know, without thinking, you're just subconsciously driven to have more because it's pleasant. Yeah. Which is what you want from a cocktail. Yeah. It's kind of addictive. Yeah. I mean, Dangerous. there are a lot of cocktails where what you want is for it to... Smack you upside the head. Yeah. The Long Island iced tea. Yeah. yeah. But it also creeps up on you. Mm. Well, because that's because it, it's so boozy. Yeah, it doesn't taste anywhere near... Like, it doesn't taste as smooth or easy to drink as this, but it tastes smooth and easy to drink enough that you don't realize what you're doing. Yeah. It would probably take 12 of these to achieve the same result as one Long Island iced tea, Yeah, if, if we're honest. But well, well, that's because the uh, Aperol is 11%? Yeah, 11%. Said, yeah. And interestingly enough, six and a half standards in the bottle, just like the Prosecco. Huh. So if you were to consume both of them... It's like one large glass of Prosecco. It's 12 standards. Yeah. Well, that's two 13. bottles. Two yeah. bottles. It does say on the back of the Aperol bottle to mix your Prosecco and Aperol one-to-one. Yeah, yeah, they expect a 50-50 mix and then top up the glass with soda water, but that's going to end up tasting completely different Yeah, to the IBA standard. I mean, mix it however you like for your tastes. Well, mixing it 50, with a 50-50 split makes it very easy to mix. Well, that's true, it does, and if that's what they want... Yeah. And it makes you use more Aperol. Yeah. Because this is, by some explanations, described as a 3-2-1 cocktail. 
three parts Prosecco, two parts Aperol, one part soda water for a very simple three, two, one. But you technically don't want one part soda water. Well, it depends how big your splash is. I reckon you probably put about a shot of soda water in. Maybe, maybe, yeah, somewhere between half and a full shot. It's, yeah, perhaps. It's and, not much. Yeah, and so th- three, two, one would probably still get you a nice, well-balanced Aperol spritz. Yeah. But the the two, two, you would... Well, the one, one, two, two, it's much more one, one one. But the one to one with a, a dash of soda water yeah. would be... It, a very different flavour. I feel like the Aperol would... I think it'd be too much. Yeah, I think it would be yeah. too aggressive over the Prosecco. Yeah. And Prosecco is not a terribly... Good Prosecco is not an incredibly strong flavour. Obviously, cheap Prosecco is exactly what you expect. Yeah. But, yeah, otherwise, it's a subtle flavour. And so you kind of need there to be more of it than the Aperol. Yeah. Well... I like it. Is it a nice, refreshing summer drink? Definitely. Are we drinking it the wrong time of year? Also, yes. As always. But if you're listening in the US or Canada, or even in the UK, now is the right time for an Aperol Spritz. Yep. And just to clarify, this is not a sponsored episode either. Yeah. None of them have been so far. Yes, no. We we don't do that. No. Unless. <laughs> and if somebody wants to send us a thing, we'll do what we always do and we'll talk about it. And if we like it, we'll talk about what we like. And if we don't like it, we'll talk about what there is to like about it. But and we'll, then say why we don't like it. Yeah. But yeah, we'll give, we give everything an honest opinion. Yeah. And my honest opinion of this is a solid seven. So we're rating this cocktail against all other cocktails? Yeah. 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 Like, it's... The the flavours are not terribly complex. It's easy to drink. Yes. Um, It's very refreshing. Um, But I am a little cautious, maybe seven and a half. I'm a little cautious on the fact that it does leave that little bit of bitterness and stickiness on your tongue, which makes you want to have another drink. Yeah. And, I mean, would I drink it again? Yes. Would I, if at a bar, looking to buy a cocktail, choose to buy this? Probably not. No. I, I, I think at this point I'd get an old-fashioned or a Negroni. Yeah, and my, my go-to cocktail still tends to be a Rusty Nail, but that's just because I really like Scotch and Dream Bowie. Mm. I think my go-to cocktail is either a, the old-fashioned or a Mojito, depending on the time of year. Oh, yes. Mojitos can be very pleasant, mm. depending on the time of year. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm... I'm glad you decided to change your rating to a seven and a half because I was really wanting to give it a seven. And, <laughs> and, and you have to give it a half point lower than me? Yeah, so now I can safely give it a seven because you've, you've adjusted to a seven and a half. That's but, not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> but that seems to always be the way that it is. See, people don't think it'd be like it do, but it do. What? What? Okay, whatever. Anyway, we also need to race Aperol by itself, straight up. Bottle caps. Honestly, I'd give it about the same, seven and a half. Um, it's 
fine. I actually think it would probably be better chilled. <clears throat> so mm. if this came straight out of the fridge at like two or three degrees, I think that it would be much nicer than what it was. Because as it stood, it kind of like kind it was kind of like I was drinking warm cordial. And you'd, you'd mute some of that bitterness, I would expect. Yeah, and yeah, it just. It sat. The mouthfeel was wrong. The flavors were okay, but the mouthfeel was wrong. But then let's remember it's an aperitif. Yeah. So ideally, for it to be at its best, <clears throat> you'd want to drink it and follow it. I'm guessing with, you know, some hearty, strong flavored Italian dish. I mean, we're we're talking a drink that originated in northern Italy, so yeah, we're in Bolognese territory. I when I drank this, I kind of wanted a different drink. <laughs> that that's that's what was going through my head. Like, yeah, this is a this is fine, but I want to drink something else. Yeah, and I guess that's why you have this first. Yeah, because of course, if if you're you know sitting down to a meal in northern Italy, you're having your aperitif, and then you've got a big bold red during dinner. Yeah, yeah. And if you were to follow this... With a red wine? Yeah. With a Shiraz or a... Sorry, not a Shiraz. It's Syrah in Italy. Yeah. Or, yeah, or a, a Malbec. Maybe, maybe not a Malbec. Um, definitely a uh, Sangiovese or Tempranillo. Mm. Like, kind of that mid-range. Yeah, I mean, I think even a Chianti <clears throat> would be a good follow for this. Yeah. But the with the Aperol Spritz, it's... I want to have another one yeah, of these. It, it stands alone. Yeah. It doesn't need an accompaniment. Yeah. Like, because it's the Aperol which needs an accompaniment with an accompaniment. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a seven. Seven for uh, straight Aperol spritz. But I'm. That I, I will not uh, lock that in because I want to try it ice cold. So it's it's a tentative seven. Yep. Pending trying it chilled. Yes. And I'm I'm going to give it a tentative six and a half. Of course you are. Pending trying it chilled. <laughs> you would. You would. Um, I haven't got anything else. Yeah. No. I I think that's uh, that's all I've got. <laughs> as well. Um, if you liked what you heard, everyone, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Or- if you haven't already, we are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever they are now, uh, YouTube, YouTube Music, um, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. Yep. And if you want to uh, check out our giant library of previous episodes, be sure to jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. Or if you've got any comments, questions, uh, feedback, or if you uh, think we're wrong on Aperol and it should be something else, let us know. Uh, send, us e- send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. Yes, we always love getting your feedback. We love to hear from our listeners. Love it. It's great. Yeah. So be sure to tune in next time. When, back by popular demand, 
we revisit the concept of decanting in a truly blind taste test. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to blindfold ourselves this time. That was awkward. Yeah. Fun fun but awkward. It's it's not necessary. We won't know what we're drinking. That's the important part. We won't know which is which. We, We will not be pouring these. We will not be aware. We will not know which glass is which. So it should be hopefully slightly more scientific, but I reckon we can still pick. Five, yeah, bu- five bucks says we can pick the winner. Well, and we're changing it up a bit too, so we are. Be Stay- sure to tune in to find out how. Yeah. Until then, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>